Hey everyone, I'm Israel Fair, and you're listening to Bring Your A-Game, the Yahoo Canada Sports Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Bring Your A-Game, the Yahoo Canada Sports Podcast, and it's a special edition of the podcast today. I'm Israel Fair, I'm joined by Yahoo Canada Sports Editor Chris Young, and our special guest, is Karina LeBlanc, and it's not going to be uh, the last time that she'll be on with us because uh, we're very excited about this, in case you missed it. Karina, uh, longtime goalkeeper for the Canadian women's national soccer team, has joined Yahoo Canada to help us cover the games. We're very excited about it, and uh, we hope she is too. Karina, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, and I'm so excited to be part of this team. It's awesome. We're really looking forward to, to the games, and they're, they're really fast approaching. Uh, we know that uh, in your role with us, you're going to be doing some video content, some written content. You're going to be doing some more of these podcasts with us. Uh, what are you really looking forward to in this uh, new adventure for you uh, as kind of an on-air host here? You know, for me, it's just super exciting to be able to go back to the Olympics with a, with a different hat on, you know, for... My almost 18 years of playing with Canada, it was one of those things that had so many interviews and it was, I wish people would ask me more of who I was. And what's exciting for me is I get to now help tell the stories of athletes and, and tell not only about their, like the victories, but maybe some of their defeats and triumphs and do it in a unique, different way. I think the Yahoo team has, has been great in terms of teaching me and educating me along the w- the way. And it's, it's I'm rediscovering myself now with a different hat, and it's just so exciting. I mean, I've gone to two Olympic Games, obviously, as an athlete, but now to go just actually watching, and, and I think I won't be nervous, but I bet you from the first whistle of any game, whether it's soccer or you know whether we're rowing, it'll just be a different uh, adrenaline rush. So I'm looking forward to, 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 to learning about this new adrenaline rush that Chris has told me about and so many people have told me about, and just being a part of the team of, of another team, but a team of telling the stories of the athletes and the events in the day. You were you were, you were nervous. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. But <laughs> it's just going to be a different rush, you know. And I think this is what it's about. It's you know when you retire as an athlete, you wonder when you're going to be able to feel that sense of it's go time. And I think going to Rio, it's just going to be for me, it's a different type of go time. It'll be a go time of telling the stories. It'll be a go time of just watching the games and having no control and just being like, I guess maybe that's kind of what my mom went through or <laughs> maybe what everybody else went through. But I'm so excited to be a part of, of this team. I'm so excited to, to go to Rio and get to still hang out with the athletes and ask them questions and you know, just watch them go through this journey that I've been through, but on the other side, and just watch it all evolve. Do you um, do you have any uh, anything to say about um, you know going to an Olympics? You 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 mentioned you've gone twice. How different was it each time, as far as uh, you know, getting getting over nerves and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris, because it was two different trips. My first Olympics was to Beijing, and it was our first time. And as an Olympic athlete, again, it's like your dream come true. Like you've you've played in the park on your own with friends growing up and being like, it's going to be the Olympics, and here it comes, and boo, I make a save, and the world goes crazy, and we win an Olympic medal. And, you know, we got there, and it was just – it was different. We lost, again, to the Americans – 
and I remember just the, the goal went in and had my head down in the field and just crying and being like, God, that was quick. You know, it just, it seemed to go by so quick and we'd lost in the quarters. And for the remainder of the tournament, we got to go and see different events, take tons of pictures. I mean, I had pictures with like Kobe Bryant. I had pictures with the Williams sisters. I, I mean, I had an album of like maybe the greatest pictures. And then, but it was over. And I remember this last uh, Olympics in London, it was, we went in with a completely different mindset. Yes, we felt fortunate to be Olympic athletes, but it was a business trip. And our head was down. We didn't go to the opening ceremonies. We created a little opening ceremonies in our hotel um, because it was like, we're here to do one job. And our job was, again, it was the mindset was different. Our job, everybody goes to the Olympics and wants to win a gold medal. But our job was to try to inspire the nation. And again, going back to different games and different outcomes, what brought us back to our true north were Canadians. And it was just one of those things where it was a business trip and in the end coming home and seeing the reaction of Canadians, you know, it was a bronze medal, but it's weird, but I wouldn't change that bronze medal for anything based on the reaction of how Canadians were towards that. So I'd say, I, you know, and I remember the younger kids who it was their first medal Olympics in London and we said, hey guys, I know this is a huge accomplishment, but guess what? This is a business trip and I know you want to go out and take pictures, which we did last Olympics, but I mean, I couldn't even tell you where those pictures are now, but I'll, I know where the medal is. <laughs> Good point. Did you, um, did you find, Karina, um, that you went to fewer events? Like, was it more stay-at-home kind of? Uh, because you see a lot of athletes, you know, partaking in the whole spirit of it by going out and waving the flag for other athletes from Canada. Did yeah. you do lots of that? I think it's a bit unique and different for the soccer team because we we usually travel to different venues, so we don't just stay. So the women's soccer team, this Olympics, won't just stay in Rio. We never just stayed in London um, or Beijing. So we, a lot of times we're not there for the events. But again, going back to my first Olympics, it's it's it, it's it's interesting because the athletes that you see waving around, most of them are the ones who are done with their games because mm. you. You, or you hope so, because it's it takes a lot out of you. And it, it's even interesting, like in opening ceremonies, um, some athletes choose not to go because what you guys see at home is, is a couple hours of television. But to bus it to the Olympics, the opening stair, state, um, ceremony, you sit and you wait, then you watch the show, then you sit and you wait, and then you, you go home. That's several hours, and that's taxing on an athlete. And so it's almost like you have to make a decision of, why am I here? You know, the experience will be what it is, but the greatest experience is, is being successful. So, you know, we went again in Beijing. I, I went to just about every event because <laughs> we lost early. But in London, I was able to uh, get a ticket to the men's 4x100 where that was heartbreaking. Gosh, that I mean, I don't know if you guys remember that, but you remember sure. he stepped on the line and um, there's a couple of us who got to go and one of us, uh, one of my teammates was actually standing next to his parents and it was just like, oh, you know, that's a memory I'll never forget. Um, but I didn't get to go to many events then because it was only until after we'd finished our competition. But, you know, it, it, it's it's all an athlete's preference. But, you know, my advice to the athletes are going the first time is, is just to make it a business trip and you're there for one thing. And once your event is over, then you have fun and you, you party and you hang out in Olympic Village and 
you, en- you enjoy the McDonald's. Like the last night, the McDonald's ends up being the place to be because everybody goes out and comes back and all of a sudden you're hanging out with uh, all the legends in sports and everyone's having a cheeseburger because <laughs> you can finally eat that, you know. But um, usually it's the athletes who are done that are, are at, at those events. Well, here we are. Like we're, we're 10 weeks or so to go as we're talking now. And um, we're, we're, we're into a, a steady news cycle of, of bad news uh, with this Olympics in particular. And, and when you're an athlete, how much of that do you hear? You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, especially with social media these days, that you hear a lot more. Um, obviously, going into Rio, there's a lot of bad news. Is the Zika virus which you know there's conversations of should we move the olympics or it shouldn't be happening i mean as an athlete you're not paying attention to that stuff you're 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 thinking okay i've I've sacrificed so many things in my life this is my dream it's about to happen and you almost have to separate what the media is talking about from your reality and you have to trust your medical staff and you have to trust your coaching staff and say hey you're not going to put me in a bad situation right Okay, I'm going to trust that, and I'm going to keep doing what I need to be doing and not almost wasting energy on that because that's what it is. It's wasted energy because the games are going to go on. They're not going to be moved. I mean, there's no chance that you can say to Brazil right now, hey, let's move this. Like after everything you've been through, you know, this is going to throw things off. So you need to stay focused with the end in mind. And and the news and the media, if you pay too much attention to it, it's just going to suck that energy that you need in training. Well, one of the one of the storylines that I think would be difficult for an athlete to ignore is uh, when you're talking about doping, and we know that some of the stories have come out recently that there was some some more doping in at the Sochi Olympics that uh, has just been unearthed, and uh, understanding that some of the uh, political issues could be a little bit easier to ignore, and it does seem that basically in the run-up to every Olympics, these are the kind of stories that come up. But as an athlete, when you hear uh, that there are these really, really in-depth and detailed uh, doping strategies for athletes uh, that you're competing against, how, how does that make you feel? I mean, to be honest with you, it just pisses me off because, you know, you're, you're doing everything that you can do in fair play the right way. I mean, there's days where you're working as hard as you can and you feel defeated. And in that moment, you know that someone's beating you because they cheated. You know, it's it's one of those things where you're like, hey, if I'm doing it right and these are the rules, why are these people not getting caught? And again, I know there's a huge investigation ahead. But again, just my initial reaction about that is exactly why athletes try not to get too involved. Because like I said, it pisses me off. That's energy. And that's a lot of energy. But at the same time, you just hope that moving forward that they get this right. They get this right and they catch the cheaters so that it can be a clean Olympic Games and the winners are the true winners of the events. It's almost like you have to wait uh, four years now before you know, <laughs> the, the retesting. Uh, you, when, you talk, when the head of the uh, IOC is calling this an unprecedented level of criminality, uh, around the latest uh, round of uh, allegations surrounding uh, Russia and Sochi, uh, this is this has gone beyond just an athlete and maybe a, a group of uh, people around him uh, indulging in a campaign. This gets right to the heart of uh, you know state-sponsored criminality, as as he calls it. It it really is, isn't it? 
it really is another level of, of, of this whole story that goes back, you know, all the way back to, to I guess it was Seoul, you know, in 1988, where we first sort of were confronted by this. Yeah, I, I think that the difficult part about this is just finding the truth and trying to kill it as soon as you can. Because like you said, it's four years later. And imagine an athlete, like, you know, you will replay that forever and ever. And sometimes it's, 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 it's a blink of an eye is the difference. And you overplay what you could have done over and over and over again. And then four years later, you, you find out that you win. It, it's exciting, but again, it, it's so bittersweet, you know. So it's, I don't know how you get to the end of this. I think the discussion will always be there until there's a solution. But corruption is corruption. And, you know, again, going back to the athlete's mindset, it's like you can only control what you can control. And, I mean, if you're going to sit there and, you know, you're competing against a Russian and you're like, well, he or she's probably cheated. So I hope I, you know, that takes away from the, from the whole idea of it. But, again, like you said, Chris, it's, it's corruption at a whole different, deeper level that, you know, we can only hope that there's an end in mind with this. Well, we'll be certainly coming back to this, I'm sure, uh, in future uh, discussions before we get there. But we are, um, what are we now, uh, Israel? Ten weeks, I mentioned? Yeah, ten weeks. Ten weeks. So, so this is like uh, we're getting down to, uh, you know, the short strokes here. Uh, in general, where you've been hanging out a little bit out in Vancouver with, with the women's soccer team, your old friends. Uh, where's this team at uh, in terms of its, um, you know, its a, maybe its mindset, but also, you know, its, its whole training cycle? Yeah, I mean, they're with the time of focusing down and, and, and closing in and, like, thinking of all the things that may happen and making sure that they prevent as much as they can from distractions. I mean, the team right now is in such a high-performance mindset I, I had a chance to go in and see them and the girls have just that, that laser eye focus in them and it's like this is it like we're I know the, the other day one of the Desiree Scott wrote 80 days away and I remember reading that being like oh just getting the chills because for some time it seems so far away and then all of a sudden it's sneaking up on you but I think the athletes mindsets right now is just to be the best they can be but on point and making sure they're not doing too much or too little and that's the that's the great part of having sports scientists and, and that's what the women's soccer team has and so they're managing the training load and they're trying to make sure that they peak for Rio not before not after you know the, the women's soccer team has two games coming up here in June in Toronto and Ottawa and those are going to be important games and it's it's trying to find a peak for those games a little bit then come back down so that you peak again in Rio and there's so much that goes into the preparation, but now it, it's the times, and I remember uh, my Olympics where it was like 50 days out and I sent an email, I'm like, hey everybody, love you, but I won't be available for the next couple, for the <laughs> next 50 days because I'm going to go for the Olympics, you know, it's it's almost like narrowing in that inner circle because mm. it's the, the weirdest thing, and people don't understand this, but friends and family, they love you to death, but they end up being a bit of a distraction, you know what I mean? Because nobody really understands what it takes. And even, even you think, like, you go to Olympic Games and your, your family and your friends travel. Now, imagine one of them, their tickets gets messed up, right? So they're sitting there and they're like, I can't get my ticket. What do I do? And here you are a couple hours before a game. And you're like, what? 
why can't you know what I mean? So it's about. Did that, actually, did that actually happen to you? Not to me, but one of my teammates, and it was in the first Olympics, and and that's where I say you you start planning now so that you know there's a a member of staff on point, so a family member can contact that member of staff and say, hey, you know, um, we didn't get our tickets. What should we do? So that as the athlete, you're not sitting there worried whether or not your parents got in because I mean. You love your family, and as much as you don't want that to happen to them, you actually cannot think about it. Um, and you hear the time all the times of athletes just being like, you know, like it was always the same. Like even to my lo loved ones, I'm like, hey, I, I love that you're coming to the Olympics, but just plan on not seeing me because that's the best thing. Because then you don't feel guilty, and then when you do get to see them, it's like, oh my god, we saw each other, you know. But well, who it, among who among your circle was the one you you had to fend off the hardest? <laughs> have you met my mother <laughs> no um see what happened in in london is we had a point of contact it was a general manager so honestly and by that time i mean it was my second olympics so my everybody understood but it's the little little things that you learn from the first one that help you towards the second one so and that's what i think it, it's important for uh and the coc has this in place where they, they give like these little like checklists of maybe you should do this, 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 this. But again, it's learnings, and, and that's why I say the second Olympics was was as a completely different thing because it it became a business trip. And you know, if my if my I, my I don't my mom wasn't ever stuck, but again in Beijing when one of our teammates that that was a panic attack. And of course, uh, your teammates like, oh crap, you know, my parents are stuck. And then you're like, oh no, and it all of a sudden it becomes something. When you know the second time round, that definitely didn't happen. Karina, of course, at the Olympics, we're all able to to watch and and take in and the events that you're participating in. But we're not there in the day to day in the preparation and the grind to get ready for it. Uh, can you walk us through what one of the days like today or or tomorrow would be at this point in your preparation? Um. So prior to the Olympics, yeah. Uh, I mean, it would just be. I mean, I know the girls right now. They they're having so they would get up, have a meeting um, to talk about the session. They'd have the session, um, then recovery, shower, hopefully they shower, um, have lunch, uh, take a power nap in, and then they would go to do some weight training or some workouts in the weight room, depending on your position. It's all specific to who you are and um, what your body type is, your position, what you need to work on. If you need to work on explosiveness, you may have a speed session. If you need to work on strength, you may have just in the gym, um, shower, eat dinner, and then you get treatment and you watch tape and film. Um, and then if you're lucky, you'll get a massage because <laughs> there's a massage therapist too. Um, go to bed early and you do that again the next day. So it, it's, 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 it's very focused. And on a day off, you may go, um, I know a couple of the girls went and got, uh, went to Deep Cove just to enjoy the environment and nice, yeah. just get away. I mean, because some of it is, is, is finding that balance as well, is, is that you're not, you can't just 24-7 be so focused on it because you'll burn yourself out. And that's why I say it's the, the balance of, you know, maybe going for, no one, they don't go for hikes because their bodies are drained. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just going and sitting and watching the water or watching the sunset, like these things that, you know, it's so different and you know it's we take for granted I mean I remember last Tuesday I had a glass of wine and I was like you know for so many years I couldn't on a Tuesday night go for a friend with a friend and have a glass of wine 
because it's just not part of your vocabulary. So you, 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 like I said, you narrow down the inner circle and you make sure that inner circle is people who understand and get it. And the thing is, is that it's not that people don't get it or understand. They don't sometimes know when, you know, something they say or not may trigger something because it is stressful. It is intense. It is high performance. And even when you, you know, someone may say something to you that you don't even understand bothers you. And the next thing that takes you away. So that's why I say you narrow down that little inner circle to people who are just like, you know, they're, they're there to help you achieve your dreams, not, not hurt you in maybe just like, I don't know. It, it, it kind of sucks, but you can't take on other people's problems at that time. You know, it's not that you're being a bad friend because I mean, for me, I'm someone, if, if a friend of mine is going through something, I'll like feel that for them. So it's almost like, I'm sorry if you're going through something, unless it's catastrophic, like I, I'm not your person to lean on. So it's almost like it's, it's all about the end in mind. You find your balance in, in the ways, like some people may meditate, some people may, it means going to a movie, some of them it may mean just, just sitting down with somebody in the inner circle and talking about anything but soccer. Um, but you have to find that balance and it's just narrowing in on, you know, you're two and a half months away and before you know it'll be two months and then it'll be half a month and next thing you know you'll be there and it's happening because this, this time just starts to come real quick. Yeah, and you mentioned the, uh, the games in um, Toronto and Ottawa. Uh, I, last I heard the Toronto game is 80% sold out, which that's, that's a pretty good audience they're going to have here yeah. in Toronto. Uh, and and that's almost like um, that runs counter to what you you just said. I mean, you 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 want to you want to enjoy that. You want to take that in. You want to you don't want to take that with you almost that that uh, energy you get from that crowd. Yeah, I mean, and that's part of the the process and the journey is is like there's energy that you take that adds, and then there's energy that you take that subtracts. And playing in front of a sold out crowd before you leave knowing that it's Canadians like almost lifting you up and saying go do it go do it go be great go be a great Canadian and hopefully bring home a medal like, and that's the stuff you store into your mind so that before the first game you go back and you when you visualize you're remembering that feeling of being home you know and not necessarily being in a foreign country and you know you find a way to the chairs become chairs of your friends and family because you you can now take that game in in Toronto or in Ottawa and be like okay yes this is why I do it you know when you play in front of a big crowd like that it's you look in the stands and you just like take a scan and you see who's there and it, it's incredible now because the game has grown so much I mean when I started there was like eight people in the stands so I mean you go back and you see games now it's it's not just young girls it's it's young girls and boys it's men and women of all ages and you take that scan and you see the passion that Canadians have for you and your team and, and that's what adds to it and that's what you know in the tough games that will come ahead in Brazil sometimes that's what the difference is is you're like you know what I'm I'm here playing for my country you know John Herdman said to us there's two people that get to wear that flag on your chest those that protect and those that inspire and he said go be inspiring and it's one of those things where you take in a sold-out crowd like that and you're going into the Olympics and you, you put that and you're like, when you put that jersey on, those are the moments that you remember. 
Well, that, that sounds like a, a good way to end it as uh, we've just chatted here for uh, about 20 minutes about really what it takes uh, for an athlete to get ready for the games, how they handle some of the distractions. And uh, we're really excited to have Karina on board. And uh, we're looking forward to, to doing a few more of these podcasts before the games. And of course, during the games, we're going to be having uh, a ton of coverage on Yahoo Canada Sports. So as I've said before, we're very excited that Karina has, uh, has joined the team. Uh, we're happy to have her with us and that she brings us some expertise, brings us closer to, to the Canadian athletes that uh, you all want to, to watch and, and uh, root for this summer. So thanks again, Karina, for doing the podcast. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for having me.